Hey everyone, Frosty here. I finally started getting these shows uploaded to various podcast services again. Some of these episodes are a bit older than the day they became available on the service you are currently listening to it on, so please keep that in mind. One other quick note, these shows are now also sponsored by a wonderful company that provides two Japanese snack box options, Sakoriko and Tokyo Treat. They're both great options, but act a little bit differently. Tokyo Treat is solely focused on snacks that are the latest, most exclusive, and that are the limited edition or seasonal flavors of snacks you might enjoy now. So things like Sakura Pepsi and Japanese Sake Kit Kats. Also comes with ramen, drinks, and much, much more. Sakura is solely focused on supporting the local Japanese snack makers, which include traditional, authentic, and artisan snacks. They'll also come with Japanese teas and special items like tableware. If you have any interest in either service, please use the affiliate links in the description. Each sign-up supports what I do here with MogTalk, and it would be greatly appreciated. Just in case, the URLs are team.tokyotreat.com slash MogTalk or team.sakura.co slash MogTalk. Thanks, everyone, and enjoy the show. Welcome everybody to Mog Talk. If you guys are unfamiliar, Mog Talk is a show based around the Final Fantasy XIV community, discussing everything from Savage Rating to Chocobo Racing. Uh, today we are on episode 288, bringing on two amazing guests to talk about guide making inside uh, Final Fantasy XIV, uh, and particularly maybe a little bit about Party Finder here and how they react to those guides. But before we go any further, let me go ahead and have our guests introduce themselves. Hector, would you mind going first and telling everybody who you are? Hey, I'm Hector Hectorson. I talk over PowerPoint animations on YouTube. <laughs> That's a pretty good description. That's pretty good. All right, all right. Uh, Ren? Hey, what's up, everyone? Uh, I'm Renon. I'm a healer main. Uh, I do hardcore progression, and then I try to make like week one, week two guides for people that are trying to clear the tier themselves. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, obviously, you know, we want to go into a lot of different topics about this. I I do a lot of Party Finder. So, uh, you know, Renan, you may know, you may have seen it a little bit. Hector, you might not have seen it as much. But I, I heal Party Finder all the time. Uh, and so what I hear often are discussions about guides and strategies and everything else. Uh, while I go into all these different random groups. And of course, both of your names come up very often in those discussions. Um, so I want to ask, first off, and either one of you guys can answer this <laughs> first, I don't care who, but how do you feel when you see Party Finder and your name show up in the strategy description? Okay, so... At least for me, the I, I can tell a little an anecdote about this, actually. So the first time that I actually saw a PF with my name in the description was in Abyssos for uh, PH Savage, for mm. uh, what's it, her five stars, right? And the first thing I thought 
was, oh my fucking god, it's going to be Ilya all over again. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. That was the first thing that I thought. But mm-hmm. um, it's been it's been a surprisingly positive experience. I don't have the audacity to write my own name in a PF that I put up quite yet. So I I, I put the I put the tag instead, normal stuff, and then just hope. Oh, dear, you wanted the ones that say normal stuff, <laughs> normal yeah. strats. I I can't write my own name in a PF. I just can't do it. Well, over in EU, they don't even write. A lot of, a lot of, well, I do see it sometimes, but it usually ends up being D-U-C and C-8-3, right? Those are the mm. strategies, at least for P-12-S. Um, yeah, those are the raid plans, yeah. Yeah. Um, Alright, Hector, what about you, man? Uh, I think the first time that it happened, there was like the split second of, ooh, that's pretty cool, look at that. Ma, I made it big. Uh, <laughs> and virtually... Every time since then, I just hate it. Like, I want to pull, like, a Will Smith and, like, get my name out of your mouth. Oh, yeah. uh, And just rip it off of every PF. Just because, I mean, to start, I've had a couple of times where I've dipped into Party Finder. I don't PF much. And every Mm -hmm. now and then I'll see a Hector Strat one, and I'll go in, and I'll think to myself, what What the heck is this? Why are you Mm -hmm. there? Why are we rotating that way? It makes no sense. And when I will have videos that show, say, like, I, I didn't show a strat for Levenstrike and P9S. I made a video showing all of them because I said I'm not getting into that one. Mm-hmm. So what's Hector's strat for that? It's, <laughs> it's like it's meaningless. It communicates nothing. Usually I see it and it just means do the fight the way that is the only way to do the fight. Yeah, okay. That's, <laughs> you know, uh... That is kind of how it is, especially over at EU right now. Uh, everyone just calls their spot H1, H2, whatever, right? Uh, OT, MT. But everyone does literally the exact same thing outside of like a couple of variations where they want to do lazy lasers, non-lazy lasers. They want to do normal lasers. Uh, there's not a lot of options, which is weird. Uh, maybe not so weird, but it feels like there isn't a lot of variation, at least over in EU, I haven't seen a lot of variation within the strats in Party Finder. Um, yeah, this this raid tier is kind of interesting, because it's one that's super normalized. Normally there's like two or three strats for, for say, an encounter, and they might um, they might say, for example, have 60-40% uh, ratio for two of them, and then in another fight there might be one that's like 70-20-10 and there's like three different strats or something. This tier, mm-hmm. I, can't, I actually can't think of anything on EU, at least, aside from Oppo or JP Limit Cut or Lazy or Standard Paradigm 01, right? Everything else is pretty much... You go into a party, you know exactly what to expect. It's it's kind of interesting. I'm not I'm not sure if I think it's a positive thing or not, because I have some thoughts that I imagine we'll talk about later about the way that mm-hmm. PF adopts strats, but it's it's definitely interesting to experience because I've been doing a lot of PF this tier as well. I've done I've done a lot of parties this tier and it's it's interesting that I never I never have to look and see what the PF is doing because I just know, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and I think the, Go ahead, go ahead. The I mean the only thing that I've seen that's a difference, and this was the weird one, made it really difficult when trying to make a guide for phase two, is just that while within EU and within NA, they've got it down exactly how they want to do the fight. EU and NA somehow ended up with exactly polar opposite strats for all of phase two. I, I have heard that, yeah. I've well, heard that NA does 
a very different stats, yeah. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny. The biggest the biggest thing is Caloric 1. That is the biggest difference. And it's the... Is Hexagon Renan? Is that the strategy? <laughs> the hex Hexagon was our weak one strat, yeah. yeah. A, lot, a lot of the groups that blind progged, like... Um, I suppose I, I'll talk about how we, like, solved Caloric, right? Mm -hmm. um so the way that the way that we thought about caloric was we we treated it like a, a like a turn-based strategy rpg right because i think that's the intent of the mechanic mm -hmm. so the the way we treated it was you you have one square in the grid you can move you get one turn and we were like okay how can we solve it in a way that everybody gets one turn and does one movement and i think uh team team dn as well were another group that were a little a little bit ahead of us and they solved it in the exact same way and we were like oh this is easy the hexagon is the perfect shape and we had literally we had no problem solving it doing it we had no problem testing it later doing uh like no communication so that we would do it the way that pf would do it right mm -hmm. so so yeah we 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 ended up using hexagon week one uh i i honestly still kind of stand by the opinion that hexagon's pretty easy but I it's... know that opinions are very split on Hexagon because it is it is more of a learning hurdle than, say, uh, a square-based strat where you're just going to move, say, two movements that are in straight lines, right? Pampan is, like, the way that NA does it all the way. They they only do in uh, Pampan. EU always does the Hexagon strat, um, mm -hmm. and it is... You re you have to relearn that mechanic completely with just how the priorities yeah. and how everything works. Very very different strategies, um, yeah. And that was the thing that was so jarring. But when you were talking about Hector, how they're kind of polar opposites, uh, in a lot of ways, like they were going with the two plus one instead of two plus zero. Although it's kind of changed to two plus zero a little bit, but just for some reason, they want the tank on the left side on EU for the tank busters for a half cleave. And on NA, it's on the right yep. side. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> no I didn't even know sense. that, actually. I didn't know the tank swap. That's so funny. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, it, it means that, obviously, EU players watching my guide will get 30 seconds in before they think I'm some sort of godless heathen ruining Party Finder again. <laughs> a, tank yeah. buster, a tank buster on the right? Who's, who's ever done that ever? Come on. <laughs> yeah so crazy uh but no it, it was it's interesting uh there was a lot more variation at the beginning i think with some of the strats and things but it is going in a certain direction but in a and eu since there's no crossover between the regions except for crazy people like me who just spend all day in party finder um the strats they they things that don't matter that much have solidified and the groups of people who go in those party finders expect those exact strategies even if they're a little bit different it's just there's no crossover between the two regions so they didn't have to really uh end up exactly the same um yeah. but oppo and jp are that's this the other kind of toggle but that i think that's it kind of leans to jp mostly oppo i think two plus one are ones that were like really early strategies that eventually yeah, got phased out a little bit i remember yeah. i started pfing like week three or four this tier and i remember hearing the meme constantly that the reason you always see jp <laughs> limit cut parties is because everyone with oppo is cleared um but honestly the more yeah. that i've done jp I'm, I'm going to say it i kind of prefer jp now it is um i i i think they're very equitable strats right they are i i genuinely think if you were to 
put them against each other on a percent on a scale of difficulty, they would be within five percent of one another, right? I, I yeah. really think it literally doesn't matter in its personal preference. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, neither of them. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, ni neither of them takes away the real difficulty of that mechanic, which is just remembering if I'm a six, when do I go in a tower and when do I go off to explode? And mm -hmm. if you can get past that bit right there, then it doesn't matter what you do. But uh, yeah. I, I was a diehard oppo, did it every single time. It was the only thing my static ever did. If I, we had to fill in PF, we'd be like, no, we're going to find the one person still on EU doing oppo. Got dragged <laughs> into a group that wanted to do JP. And had to quickly, like, okay, watch my guide, remind myself, how does that even work? Uh, and it's really easy. Yeah. I, I, I was surprised. I assumed it would be, like, a tough, but no, it's literally as long as you can remember. When do I go tower? When do I go out to explode? It, it, it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. You're either running in a circle or you're running along a diagonal line. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. The timing you, you on six is rough on JP. I think it's a big thing. Right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You get to choose your pain point, right? Your pain point on uh, Opostrat is you need to discern whether it is a clockwise or a counterclockwise uh, uh, rotation, right? And the pain point for JP is if you're number six, you need to be paying very special attention. And unfortunately, a number of people in PF are, are not paying that special attention. So that you get to choose, you get to pick your poison because there's going to be one with either strat. And that's that's often the case with most alternative strategies that kind of find their way through to popularity in PF. There's normally different benefits to both and people weigh up which one they value more, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I would... I Go ahead, sorry. I, I keep interrupting you, Hector. No, 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 not at all. I okay. was just agreeing. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I was saying that, like, when um, the, some of these, I feel like within reclears, you still see the variation within the strategies, but I feel like in prog parties, they, they're solid. They only do it one way now because they've been in enough parties where JP has always been the same one. So these prog parties are always going to go JP. They're always going to go two plus zero they're always going to go like whatever is seems like comes up the most in party finder that's their strats they're running with um and uh i don't know i when you guys are making guides and i'm assuming you're just kind of keeping an overall like view of what people are doing and trying to explain that in a logical way in your guides right um at least, at least in my case, um, I have a very specific target audience for my guides, right? Uh, me and my group, we, we do hardcore progression. And then I make sure I have a couple of extra days available. We'll, we'll kill the raid tier, say like day three. Mm -hmm. And my intent is that anybody who is in a scenario where they, they are, say, evening raiding week one and then doing full days on the weekends and they're really hoping to get a Monday night clear or maybe a week two clear, my intention is... The, those guys need something to help them clear, right? Like the, those people in particular are my target audience, like late week one, early week two, maybe week three at a push. So so my goal is personally, I, I usually don't put strats in the guide unless I've done them myself. I don't put strats in the guide unless I think they're easy to do personally. I don't mm. put strats in the guide unless um, I believe they can be done with no voice communication. And okay. the only exception to that are like very, very micro changes. Like we, we did a little micro change to P1 limit cut, right? We, uh, 
You know, you know the way that you have the the two and the four. They like step back to go behind Athena after she dashes. We didn't do that in proc, but I I put it in the guide because it was an obvious change that made things slightly safer on the healers uh, in terms of like the mitigation you need to put up. So like that that was a change that I was like so confident that it would work and that it was a good thing that I didn't bother testing it. You know, um, but otherwise, like if I haven't tested it, I don't put it in the guide and and. That's just how it is, but because we're a week one group and we kill very quickly, we don't get to test a lot of alternative strategies and a lot of uh, improved strategies that come, say, like week two or so. Um, mm -hmm. We we haven't done those because they they didn't exist back then, and unfortunately, that means that sometimes things slip through. Like in in the case of two plus one, I I still think that two plus one and two plus zero are pretty a pretty <laughs> similar strats in terms of difficulty, but I think that two plus zero is easier to learn. Uh, but that said, I think the 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 difficulty differential between them is quite low. So we we were pretty comfortable putting it in the guide, you know. If I had to think on it, two plus zero, the big difference is that if you have to, two plus zero allows you to know exactly what that second tower composition is going to be, right? Two plus one, you have yeah, a variation the, where it could flip because the color yeah. change. Yeah. Yeah. The the like the. I, I talked before about the fact that when there's two different strats, there's normally a, a gain or a loss on one of them, right? Well, the, the gain of two plus one is that you get to practice paying attention to the swap earlier, and practice is very important, right? Uh, mm -hmm. But the, the but the negative is that you have to do the swap twice rather than once. <laughs> you know what I mean? But mm -hmm. other, otherwise, I think they're they're pretty equitable. Yeah. Okay. Well, Hector, how do you like when you're you're making guides and everything? What's kind of your mindset of how you need to display the strategies, or like how you need to deliver that to the audience? Uh, well, if if you've seen any of my guides from P one through P eight, and you ever thought to yourself, it seems like he doesn't even isn't even paying attention to what Party Finder's doing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, no idea. Uh, I. I, for probably all of when I read it in Eden, and most of the start of, like, uh, not Abyssos before that, uh, Asphodelos, mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't even aware that people PF'd Savage. To me, that was <laughs> mind-blowing, the idea that you would, why would you do that to yourself? The whole fun's to have a, have a laugh with a couple other people on voice chat while repeatedly wiping. I couldn't see myself hitting my head against a wall uh, in Party Finder for that mm -hmm. kind of content. So my guides were entirely based towards me when I started raiding. That was my target audience, was people that needed to watch a guide, so they probably weren't all that experienced, they were a little bit new, and were too nervous to jump in and really try Savage until they had something that could explain it to them. Mm -hmm. Because that was very much me. I remember I did the first tier that I did proper was Eden's Verse. Uh, and E5S was beyond overwhelming and daunting. Uh, and when I did it, I was trying to learn it on the fly. And it, nowadays, it's it's a nice, easy fight. But mm -hmm. I have to stand in front of a pole was a lot for somebody who was new to the, the game. Mm -hmm. uh, and so all I wanted was just something that made it really clear. You stand right here exactly at this point in time, and then you move there. Uh, and so my guides have always entirely been focused on I want to explain as clearly as I can to somebody who maybe isn't all that good at the game. Maybe new to the game, maybe inexperienced. Mm -hmm. uh, and something that I've uh, tried to sort of continue with this is one of my favorite things when raiding is 
when everything goes to hell and you have to try to fix the mechanic on the fly. Oh, yeah. And so some, yeah, yeah, those panicky, uh, everybody's dead. Uh, I love it like Para 3 in P12S Phase mm -hmm. 1 when you have somebody die during the tethers and you've got to think, how do we try to stand together and pray that the towers land near enough that we can soak them both? Mm -hmm. For me, that's fun. That's exciting. Yeah. But it's only something you can do if you don't just understand where to go and when, but you understand fully how the mechanics work. You understand every little nuance to it. And so because you understand it at that level, if something does go wrong, you have a chance to try to wing it and adjust on the fly. Mm -hmm. So my guides have had a real focus on trying to not just say, this is what you do, stand here, but to try to explain through exactly why that is, that that's how the mechanic works, why yeah. that strat solves it. And that's amazing knowledge to have. If you are trying to be a party finder hero or trying to be someone who goes into party finders just for fun, you know, and do your thing, understanding those mechanics uh, is absolutely amazing. Even just learning it, it's just fun to figure out that puzzle on the fly. Once you understand fights and everyone does it and everything goes right, it's literally a scripted dance where there is no no thought into it. You just literally just do what you you normally would do. But when things go wrong, it's my blood flowing. I'm like, this is, uh, how do I solve it? That's why I heal in Party Finder. I'm like, can I res this person? Can I res them fast enough to do the mechanic? Should I res them now? Should I wait? Because they're going to hit it as soon as I res them. They're going to hit, yes, I want to res, right? And so there's so many different things that you can kind of think of during that. And so what you said is absolutely uh, one of the things I love about Party Finder. And I didn't really get that feeling a lot outside of Healer, except for when, like, E8S, you know, I was able to, what was it, when the, uh, the second half of that, where you have the dragon heads going around and you get debuffs and somebody could get two debuffs and then one person would have to do the mechanic like twice and they would have to know how to do it and how to, you know, go outside of their role and stuff like that. And uh, it, it's it's uh, awesome once you really understand the mechanics of a fight, like what you're able to accomplish and kind of just push forward. Uh, because that's where the fun happens to be. Prague is fun. Prague is a lot of fun. Um... Uh, but anyway, sorry, that was my little tangent from what you said. Uh, but I just wanted to back you up on that. Yeah, because... <laughs> yeah one, one thing, fully with uh... you on that. And... Go sorry, ahead, Hector. Go ahead, Hector. Hector, yeah. 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 I, I just fully with you. And I, this is, I'm a lazy laser band because I'm lazy and because yep. it means I don't have to turn my brain on for the first 30 seconds of the fight. But uh, I had a group that was not doing lazy lasers and, oh, the fun that you can get trying to save a prog group when you have your tank in Bolton available there. Mm. The, like, Super Chain 1's gone horribly wrong. There are four people up for Paradialagos halfway through, and it's like, look, off tank, run middle. I'm going to run all the way out, pop in Voln. We're going to wing it. Pray mm. that, like, a healer gets up in time that we can try to scrape through here. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's the joy I get out of this. I couldn't imagine trying to do the raid without having that chance. Yeah, and I think that's kind of how... The developers see the invulnerabilities, or they hope, right, is that they're used as in, like, hey, let's go ahead and fix the solution. But we as Party Finder players, we want things to be as easy as possible, so we wipe as little as possible. So we burn those invulnerabilities <laughs> so we can make sure we have more successful attempts overall, but yeah. Uh, yeah, one, one thing I wanted to say real quick about what you, uh, what you were touching on before. If if anybody is looking to improve uh, their gameplay and the way that they perform in a progression scenario, if you're using a guide or if you're uh, blind, whatever it is, the number one thing you should always do 
is you it's more important to understand what the mechanic is asking of you than to understand the bullet points you need to do to solve the mechanic in the strat it's it's way more important that you go okay this is this is the assignment this is what the this is what the mechanic is asking of the group this is what it wants us to do for example in the case of limit cut in uh, say p12p1 right you you go okay we we know that there are there are baited beams two at a time coming from the middle there are dashes going from the boss uh, they do proximity damage solve you knowing these bullet points allows you to adjust and allows you to fix other people's mistakes and it's the most important thing that you can you can learn as a player to get better at a fight it's like so 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 useful mhm mm and I, the way so there's like a handful of different ways of understanding how to be a better player overall but understanding the core mechanics of fight is literally key number one everyone wants to go for the damage numbers right they want to get the highest damage possible and that's good it's very valuable uh in helping parties that cannot execute properly or people are dying you can push it and get through the damage and everything else but the majority of the reason why people have issues is lack of understanding of mechanics lack of execution those things hold people back more than I do my scripted DPS rotation, and I do it exactly right on the millisecond. Um, and so I, I am a very mechanic-heavy <laughs> player, and I don't even think about damage outside of every once in a while. I try to figure out, oh, well, I could have optimized this here or there. Um, I'm also a person who don't look, doesn't look up healer guides for fights to like, oh, this is where I need to cast this at this point. I try to logically figure it out and figure out where these the heavy points of damage are and what abilities I have available to me that can be used there in case another healer dies. How do, can I use my GCDs to optimally uh, get past certain situations? And I feel like that's a lot of fun. Although I play a little bit less optimally <laughs> sometimes, I have a lot of fun figuring it out. Yeah, it's, it's the most fun part about healer for sure. I, I, I couldn't imagine like reading a guide on exactly what to heal in an encounter because i feel like the fun is solving the puzzle right the fun <laughs> is when you get to feel good about oh this was so safe and i didn't even use a gcd this is amazing you know like that yeah. that's that's the that's the biggest uh, rush you get as a healer is <laughs> is feeling that you properly mitigated something in an optimal way it's such a huge rush in party finder because you have yeah. no clue who's using a mitigation or if the other healer's doing anything that's <laughs> yeah. even remotely logical. like he's gonna reprise all right he's gonna <laughs> do it for sure for sure yeah <laughs> Yeah, the goal is to make sure that whatever mitigation you put out, if people mess up, they'll at least be at one HP or higher, right? At least you do enough that if people mess up, that you can still move forward. Uh, and you just kind of scare people, and maybe they'll remember to use their reprisal next time, or something of that nature. Um, Alright, so, I mean, when... You kind of talked about this a little bit, Ron, how you uh, start off and you just want to make get the guides out there as soon as possible for those weekend, you know, clears, trying to get the week one clear, trying to get the clear as soon as possible and everything else. Timeline, timeline, uh, timeline, uh, timeline wise, Hector, when you're making guides, do you have like a set, like I need a guide out by this time or is it just as soon as it makes sense to be able to get it out? To be honest, with this tier especially, in my mindset, it's uh, where do I think the majority of people watching my guides are up to? So what that means is for an extreme fight or P9S that is like put on a cup of coffee late night, work till 4 a.m., get that guide out immediately, make sure that it is something functional, 
Uh, and those are the ones that I make sure that I've definitely tested everything that I've done. Mm -hmm. The early tier fights are, I make sure, yep, this definitely works. This is functional. It's a first tier fight and there's no DPS checks. So if it's not optimal, we'll fix that afterwards. But mm -hmm. if somebody wants to jump in and try and uh, have, do this day one and they don't want to have to do it blind, I want them to have something that explains the basics of everything as well as I possibly can. For later fights, especially this tier, I've tried to hold myself to that more. I'm I'm learning to take my time more. And I think it's because with uh, Anabasos especially, I am aware that there is a party finder that people use it. And whether or not I agree with it or not, people will use my videos as a guide point in party finder. And if things are not optimal, will blame me for it. Yeah. So I, I took my time. P6S, uh, sorry, P10S came out i think three four days in p11s about that end of that first week a little bit later uh and then p12s i waited until i felt darn sure i fully understood everything and this was a hopefully non-controversial set of strats it doesn't work that way <laughs> yeah it doesn't matter how long i wait but i i tried I, I at least to wait and say whatever strats you do it's always going to be a controversial set of strats to somebody no matter what <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like if I like, <laughs> go ahead. Well, fa phase two. Yeah. I I put out my phase two guide in week seven. If you're in North America, pastebin was all there was. I checked the PFs, I checked discords, I was asking everybody around. Everybody's doing the pastebin, and I was studying it like it was a textbook to make sure. No, no, no. Okay, that's not how I would do it. I don't agree with that, but the pastebin does it that way. So that's where the healers will go. That's where the tanks will go. And I did everything exactly the way they did except for the pastebin at the time for uh classical just said bpog just said bpog and said whatever <laughs> afterwards uh and i had heard a lot of people say that their biggest pain point was yoloing eyes style the cleaves after classical and i personally had done them and went i don't really like this the i get the sense of how to use your eyes but i don't necessarily always trust the other seven people to be able to do that correctly and so when somebody introduced me to the Alpha North Beta South, I went, this seems fantastic. A lot of people recommended it. I tried it myself and liked it, and so put it in the guide. And now the pastebin's been updated with a 15-slide animation explaining how to use your eyes to tell people not to do Alpha North Beta South. <laughs> Week 8. Yeah. It, um... it is still a huge pain point. I'm going to let you know, today, it's still a huge pain point. No one talks about it when they go in. They get there, and every once in a while, people will say A N B S, or they'll say use your eyes. No, just figure it out. You know, it's always just they this... just type wing it or nothing. Yeah, I yeah. yeah, and it's uh, it's just a mix of bad. <laughs> the worst of each side comes out every single time, and every once in a while it works out. For me, when I'm in those parties, I literally just watch the other players with me and try to read their movements. And I know where I would stand if I was doing Alpha North, Beta South, whatever, right, priority. But if someone moves to my side, I'm, I'm ready to move whatever little angle I need to to try to stay alive. Uh, you know, I, I have a confession to make. I feel like this issue is my fault, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> okay, okay. I feel, I feel like this is... Okay, I'm, so... In, yeah, take in it, my take guide the for classical, I, I put, you can do whatever you want for the baits afterwards, because there were 10 different ways to do it, and I'll be honest, 
I didn't care, and I thought that you could. That I thought that groups would pick the one they preferred and go with it. And what I've learned from this tier going forward is that you cannot let PF decide what they want to do. You have to tell them what they want to do. Otherwise, they're going to choose the worst thing possible. Because my group does not do wing it. My group has rules applied. We have so you know, like the say the shape that is uh, in Bpog, uh, it'll be X on the left, right? Yeah. We would have the X's take the two outers on the left side say and triangles on the right so the triangles would take the two outers on the on the right side for example so we we had rules for it but i didn't want to i didn't want to be auth like authoritarian and uh, and be like okay no this is what you have to do i was like okay yeah pf can decide what they want to do what a big mistake what a terrible thing to do i shouldn't have let them decide i should have like put some rules down and said you have to do this and then maybe people wouldn't do like three different things and whatever they felt like <laughs> yeah, it is out of all of the fights. It is literally the most frustrating communication that happens in Party Finder is that that part. Uh, the only thing that get got a little bit more frustrating was the turrets and P10s about doing them straighter angled, uh, mm -hmm. and the conversations that come with that. Now EU they settled on angled pretty solidly, and I think NA starting to do it for a while, but NA took a while. And it was always just, oh, what do we do? Oh, well, straight's better. Well, angled's better. Well, straight's better. Well, no, does Hanks hate this way? You have to do it this way. Well, it doesn't matter because you get pushed back because it doesn't matter which way they're facing. You get pushed back the same depending on where you're standing. And then, well, oh, no, it's just harder to run over there because you got to dodge the other. It, it was a mess. <laughs> but I think we all just stayed cursed angled. Uh, and... Uh... The things where people just don't communicate. The other part is like the, I guess P11S had the whole uh, conversation on dark current and which side's supposed to go to what's. <laughs> Wait, what? What's the conversation? I feel like I've missed something. Here. Hector, what's the go conversation ahead. about this? <laughs> so I thought that I'd, I, I've looked and I've rewatched my guide bit for this, and fair enough, I am the tiniest bit ambiguous because here's the idea: is they start either east-west or north-south, and then they're going to hit an intercardinal first, and they always hit opposite ones. So for me, it's an easy. You've done the rest of the fight, one group west, one group east. And then all you do is look at what intercardinals hit first and wiggle towards the other one. And I thought this would be the obvious. Like, I've said it this way, but I'm a little ambiguous. I say, go to the nearest safe spot. Mm -hmm. So what uh, a lot of PF is doing is they start east-west, and then if the puddles start east-west, and it's uh, rotating clockwise, they do a massive movement over all the way to northeast and southwest rather than just take like half a step to go <laughs> southwest and northeast that way. You're a man it's, after in my, my mind, heart. It's like a, <laughs> there is, there's no thought to this. There is only one way to yeah. do this. Why would anybody ever do this? I've, I've had to, to think to myself, do I need to make a follow-up guide on yeah. dark current? Yeah. A mechanic so easy that most of PF will just YOLO spread spots and it'll still be fine. Is this the one that needs it? Yeah, it's it's funny. And now, Renant, you might, if doing a lot of Party Finder, I'm sure you're used to Southeast, nor, or was it, it's North, uh, Northwest Southeast, right? Is what they call it for Dark mm -hmm. Current Strat? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, to me, that seems like a little extra work. I would just say east-west everything and do exactly what Hector is saying. Logically, that makes sense to me. But 
Party Finder has definitely drifted to that is the the standard that we want to do, and we just go what and we don't cross the line. <laughs> That's the thing. We'll take two steps over if we have to take two steps over or two like giant leaps over to the other side uh, instead of just going up or down. Which up or down is so easy to me, but uh, I don't know, Renan. Do you have? It doesn't make sense to me. Go ahead. Sorry, I, I no, ahead, dark yeah. current clearly is weighs heavily on me. Uh, <laughs> what doesn't make sense to me is that I, I made a guide. I tried to say that for East West, and then for Letter of the Law, I didn't do that better thing. I said let's have one group north, one group south, and PF has adjusted to do northeast southwest. So you're in between the two safe spots, so you only have to take a tiny step. So they fixed it for Letter <laughs> of the Law, and then broke it in the exact same way for Dark Current. <laughs> I, I mean, whenever I do dark current in PF, I completely ignore the rule and I just go west east and fill whatever hole there is at the end, and it works out fine. And I find that's the healthiest way to deal with that mechanic. It works out fine until the player, one of the players, literally has no clue how to handle yeah. five people being on that side, and they go really far back and they get hit by the current as it comes in. Uh, yeah. That's that's the problem I, I've seen with it at least. Uh, I think that all of this kind of raises a bit of an interesting debate about where does responsibility lie in terms of which strats are picked up and utilized in PF. And my argument would... on the, Okay, maybe I'm biased. Okay, I, I, I definitely am biased. My argument would be that people that make guides don't have full responsibility on what zero. strategy ends up being the PS strat and how they implement it. Because the way things work right now is you'll put you'll put out, say, a guide. Um, PF will use half of it, but they will advertise it as your guide, so then people get confused. Uh, a paste bin will be made or a, or a raid plan will be made, and it will aggregate strats from like three different guides, hopefully to find the best one, which is a good thing. But then they will only list one of the guides. People will get confused. They will pick a bad day one strategy, they will spend the next 12 weeks crucifying the person. I spoke earlier about Ilya, and I want to rant about that because Ilya deserved better because he did nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. 100%. <laughs> because he did absolutely nothing wrong. He released a he released a week one strategy for a really annoying mechanic to get full uptime on. It was easy to do. Anyone could learn it. And he spent the next eight months being bullied by the community because it wasn't full up time for everyone. There was a week two strat that was full up time for everyone. Use that. Problem solved. <laughs> like, what the, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. The community... So Absolutely. Justice for Ilya. 100%. I agree with you guys. And I think, like, the thing is... Uh, you guys get the guides out and it's just for that moment it helps people get through that early content while people are still trying to figure out everything and optimize everything and then people get in there and they start trying to get really high parses and they try to get really high at whatever they can right out of party finder groups out of prog groups they want to do the highest damage they can and if you are you dare try to tell me to do a mechanic that messes up my uptime then you're a horrible person and you're make, making my experience <laughs> of Party Finder miserable. Uh, yeah. It's the same thing and it, with the memes that surround like black mages who aren't really, you know, it, it's, it's literally not a, hey, black mages are bad thing. It's just every once in a while you have the literal example of what a bad player is playing a job that is memed on a lot. And people say, well, I'm playing black mage 
you shouldn't do your, the strategy you're told to do. You need to adjust what you're doing to the Black Mage in a party finder group of seven other random people. Uh, and those people yeah, yeah. hate those strategies because they're not getting their optimized DPS out. And so then they go and complain on Twitter and everything else. Yeah, and the, I, I feel like it's not the solution, but a viable solution. My humble request, people who party finder, <laughs> I would love it if you would be more open to potentially doing your strats to clear, but maybe learning a new one some point in the future. Because optimized strats take time to come out. Good strats, easy strats, they take time to come out for something for some for some uh some encounters and some mechanics, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of guide makers just don't get them in because like you want to clear, right? You want to prog, so you use whatever's there. Um that doesn't mean it's the best strat ever. And the best strat ever will happen, but it might take some time. But the problem is once PF has decided what they will use, they will never change. And if PF was slightly more open to change and to saying, okay, maybe for our weekly, maybe instead of doing our weekly this week, we'll, we'll do like a, a lockout of learning this new strat so that we can make our weeklies more consistent and smoother and easier uptime for everyone. So everyone's happy. Mm -hmm. If people were willing to put that tiny bit of extra time in, I think it would improve the health of the clear rates of the community a lot. You know, I what you're saying is logical and it makes sense, but you're you're, you're you're it's like trying <laughs> to like get ten cats into a bathtub, dude. They they don't care. They don't care. Uh, they they literally just want to. They they saw a guide. They saw strategy once, and they they work. Whatever, 10-hour days, they come home, they're like, I got my two hours to do it. I know this strat. Oppo? Fuck that. I know JP. Let me go do that, because that makes sense. Uh, I understand that. I'm not going to relearn a mechanic. I'm just going to do this one. I'm not going to try to get in this other group and try to have to relearn and then, then feel bad when I mess up the mechanic and people will make fun of me and then blacklist me and then I'll never be able to get in this person's party ever again. Things like that. And so... I, while we while we have this desire to have people in Party Finder be open minded and try to do new things and try to push forward, it is literally always just going to be whatever the herd has decided it's on. It's never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that doesn't mean that guide makers are responsible for making super optimized guides day one, right? That I, I think that also has to be in there. People who do a lot of Party Finder, they need to have at least that understanding that the people who are putting out guides are doing amazing work to get them out quickly. So that, so you're, you're, I, all right, I'm, so the players who can't figure out the strategies for it or don't have the stuff, they have an easy source of getting that, right? They have an easy source of trying to get it clear as soon as possible. They use those guides. They're happy to use those guides. They just complain about it once they get further in because another strategy came out and they can't convince the herd to change their ways. Uh, and so the person who gets the heat is the person who started <laughs> the strategy or put out a guide that uh, publicized the strategy. Uh, even if you guys didn't make it, right, you'll be associated with it. Uh, I remember, what was it, uh, back in, was it, what was the Happy Brambles, which one was that? Happy Brambles, uh, that was you know, the Eden's Promise, yeah. right? Yeah. All he did was raid. <laughs> Just like, they didn't even use that as a strategy. And now he's permanently associated with doing an unoptimized 
strategy to do a clear, even if it's not something he's ever done. Kindred doesn't do the Kindred uptime, I don't think, or they didn't. Uh, that's not their their strategy. The uh, JP, I don't know why it's called JP. Literally, not. I don't think what JP does or did when they were frogging it. Um, yeah, I did. I did no. hear that JP doesn't do JP strat, which is quite funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, and all of these different things. Uh, it, it just. But the reason it sticks is because people recognize the strategy when they hear those words, because it was that's how it was taught to them, and so it's always going to be there. Um, but that's kind of the pain, I guess, with being a guide maker is that you're going to have to just take you you take the heat for doing like a good service. <laughs> you're just going to take the heat for it later down the road, no matter what. There's no winning. There yep. is. Uh, there's nothing you can do. Because I, I, as soon as I started making guides, saw that as a problem. I went, okay, when I make my videos early, some of my strats aren't great. And I don't want people to keep using those. So I started doing mini guides. I'd, as soon as I found a better strat, I'd be like, hey. And then I'd get criticism for showing other strats. Not, not that the other strats aren't better, but just that I would dare to confuse Party Finder by getting their, their heads are going to get all jumbled with all of these <laughs> strats in there that all I'm doing is I'm making it. There is no winning. If I leave the old bad strats, they go, God, Party Finder's ruined because Hector decided to show this in the video. And if I release an updated mini guide saying this is a better strat, why don't you try this? They go, oh, Party Finder ruined by Hector again, trying to confuse him. <laughs> I, I don't know how to do this yeah so i guess this is a really good topic to go into uh when you started making guides and i guess i'll i'll since we're hector I'll, I'll talk to you first about it like when uh you started making guides did you have any like thought that you're going to get the kind of negative feedback that sometimes gets associated with doing it i'd really even consider because I'd been making gate guides for a while before I put anything on YouTube just for my FC. Mm. Like, I've, I've got a whole, like, Eden's verse, or sorry, Eden's promise set of guides that were just ones that I made for my free company so that I could try to drag them kicking and screaming through it. And so when I made my P1S guide, I only made it for my static and for my free company and chucked it on YouTube as a LARP. Like, I didn't even think about it. Just, yeah, you know, I don't think there's another guide out there. Let's see what people think about this. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'd put, I think, zero thought into the idea that people would decide to hold me personally responsible for anything that bad that ever happened to them in Party Finder. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I was not prepared for the level of negativity. Uh, I've had a, comment, uh, a commenter describe me as a Party Finder terrorist training manual. <laughs> That's pretty good. Come on over here, learn that learn the Hector strats, jump on uh... into Party Finder, see if you can kill them all. Go on there. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh so how when you started seeing that stuff for the first time, what was your initial thoughts and reaction to seeing like some of that negative energy coming at you from your guides? I mean, like an idiot, my first thought is, you know, somebody's arguing with me on the internet, so, ooh, this'll be fun, come on, let's get <laughs> back at that. Uh, but, uh, since then, I've, I've learned most of the time I either ignore them. To be honest, it's as much as my brain can logic through and go, I don't care, it's a random person on the internet, something negative. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, it, it gets 
me a little bit. I, yeah. I've had to learn to either not read them or click the little ignore button to just pretend they don't exist anymore. Because mm -hmm. yeah, the my I don't know if if this is a common internet person yeah. thing, but my brain has a really bad time focusing on the big group of positive comments and ignoring mm -hmm. the couple of really negative ones. Oh yeah, they're splinters and they hurt and they're like annoying and you just have to realize how to deal with them and there's lots of different things. I think, I mean, as a content creator, I, I have people say horrible shit about me about how horrible of a host I am, about how I fuck up, how I talk horribly at times and how I'm an idiot and, you know, it's okay. I'm, I am okay with not being perfect. And I think that uh, that helps me through a little bit. And uh, I have enough people out there that say positive things about me. And I you just keep your eyes in that direction. Uh, and it helps out a good bit. Uh, and just try your best. And that's literally, I think, the expectations of everybody is that they're just trying their best at what they do. <laughs> but I just, I, I think, I don't know if it's just because for to the majority of people, I'm just uh, a potato to them. Uh, but the, yeah. the forgetting that there's like a person on the other side of this who is probably trying to not cause harm. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing. And I try to, I think it comes back to, if we want to go like the little bit deeper psychology part of it, kind of like a road rage thing, right? You're not thinking the, the other car that just cut you off is a, a human being that needs to go and get to their child's recital or something and they're late and you know they didn't want to make your day horrible or anything but you're pissed that they did that to you right uh and i think mm. it's the same thing on the internet that happens a lot you don't think this person making a guide is a person you think they're they're a problem <laughs> you think about the problem that's associated with that person uh or that you experienced just, at one time go ahead yeah i mean related to the the road rage metaphor what i wish though is that when the person in the car cuts them off they would blame the person in the car not the car manufacturer. Like if <laughs> you go into a party finder and somebody rotates clockwise for dark light and somebody rotates counterclockwise, what I assume I would do is I'd have a conversation and go, oh, this is the miscommunication, not go, darn it, Hector. <laughs> Damn it, Hector. Damn it, BMWs. There are worse uh, drivers out there, people who drive BMW. Yeah. Um, anyways. <laughs> Red, what about you and uh you know kind of handling negative feedback um okay well honestly i wasn't expecting to get much feedback at all like i, I wasn't expecting expecting people to watch my guides if i'm honest with you mm -hmm. um i i just made them because i thought oh you know 20 people will watch this they'll find it useful that's that's good um but when some of them started gaining traction i, I was very much expecting negative feedback because i think that's just the thing on the internet there's a lot of uh there's a lot of tribalism when it comes to things that people invest their time in, right? Especially in strategies for video games, for some reason. And the tribalism is, the one that I know is the good one, and the others, they're all terrible, and the people who made them should off themselves, you know? Like, that's the tribalism about it. So yeah. I, I was totally expecting negative feedback when people started watching them a bit. But what I was actually surprised by was, rather than the negativity, there was actually a lot of positivity. And... Mm. Uh, to the point where, okay, I, I'm going to admit it, like a, a while ago, I, uh, I ego searched myself on the balance discord, right? And I was expecting death threats, people hate me, all this. I read like a hundred like mentions of me 
and like 97 of them were really nice and I was really shocked. <laughs> I was really shocked. They were really nice. One mm -hmm. guy called me an idiot. One guy said I sound like a girl. That's whatever. But the other 97 are really, really nice. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I've learned to just kind of... I don't, I don't read the comments on guides because I, I don't want to make it make me like anxious or not want to put out another one. I just pretend it doesn't exist. And when people say positive things, it makes me happy. And I think that's a healthy way to approach it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the people who are saying negative that's... things are like not, most of the time, not worth even thinking about, right? And so if you let that stuff get in your head, then it just becomes like a little bit of a poison or like some sort of venom in your body that you have to get rid of later on. Uh, because that that person's just saying something to be a piece of shit uh, is what I've seen most of the time. The constructive c criticism is very easy to recognize and differentiate from just vile bullshit. Uh, but anyways, Hector, sorry. Well, I think Rin's got a really healthy approach to it. I am envious, uh, th <laughs> though honestly, to me, all the positivity about your guides doesn't come off as a surprise at all. Uh, I think it is borderline miraculous how high quality your guides are for N-tier fights for how early they come out in the tier. It's genuinely I, I, impressive. I, and the fact that you're, the, qual the quality of the strats that you pick out and the way that you explain them sticks around for the entirety of the tier when they are that early really speaks to the quality of you as a raider. So I, I don't think that the positivity towards you should at all be a shock. Your guides are fantastic. I, I really appreciate that. That's really nice. But unfortunately, I have the production skills of a 12-year-old medius when he's student. Pector, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, you, you, you've seen my early guides? My, my uh, P3S guide, I needed to show that the Phoenix, or Phoenix, whatever you want to call it, had three different heads and could shoot lasers either the outside ones or the inside one, but I didn't know how to, like, Photoshop a phoenix. So I've got a clip art of a bird with three clip arts of a face yeah. from Keynote stacked <sighs> on top of each other. It's the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> the uh, production what? quality is whatever. The, the quality of the explanation is what matters, and you've got that in spades. Yeah, that's really... Thank you. One, one thing I do want to say, like in particular, is the people who are PFing nowadays. Um, and this is this is not me trying to big my guides up. This is me trying to big up other people's guides like Hector. You have so much choice now compared to what you had two, three, four years ago for so many different learning styles. And I think that it's a, it's a to, sorry to swear, but it's a fucking blessing that you have so many high quality options and the, the number of people that I have seen tell me that I, they, they're like, oh, I, I, I love, for example, Hector's guide or June Bob's guide or whatever, because, because they love the visualization. And they're like, oh, yeah, this helps my learning style so much. This helps me. So, like, I can't see what I've got to do from gameplay. But thanks to, thanks to these like, motion diagrams, I, I understand it. It's so easy. It clicks with my brain. And the fact that there are so many like, decent quality guides out for different learning styles is such a such a good thing that the community should be happy about i think yeah and you know honestly the, uh go ahead go ahead yeah, yeah. sorry i'm really bad at timing these no, things. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh no I, I really wish that yeah the community would uh, appreciate just the the different ways that other people were learn 
I think that there's a lot of, if this is what works for me, it must be what works for everyone, which is not how people learn. Uh, I know that there's going to be a lot of people that don't learn from top 10 guides. They need to see what it actually looks like, which is where uh, guides like yours and old Mystech and Mr. Happy guides were a blessing for them. They need that actually what it looks like. Uh, whereas some people will prefer a top-down approach, and it's different strokes for different folks. It's down to the way people learn, which ties really into why I think some people don't always appreciate that there is not always a one best strat. When things like when things like uptime and movement aren't a consideration, when it's just down to which one will be better for people's brains, not everybody learns the same, and therefore not everybody's going to find the same strat easiest. I really don't think that's something that's necessarily appreciated by the community a lot. Yeah. You know, there's uh, a lot one... of... Oh, I'm just interrupting oh, all yeah, you. Good. Just... <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. One, one thing, it's not really like a, a big thing. One thing I also wanted to say is that, like, at least for me, I read a lot of constructive criticism and try to improve tier to tier. And I'm like trying to learn a lot for next tier. And I think that if if people don't like something about guides, if you want it to actually change find a constructive way to put it and you might see your change like from whoever you watch the guides by next year because people people as much as we try to avoid like the negative comments people do end up reading that stuff like we we do end up reading that stuff and we we like let's be real we're not making much money off of making youtube guides we're doing it for, like for the hobby or to help people get through fights and we do want to make them better we like <laughs> We really do. We do want to make them better. So if there's something you don't like about it or something that you're like, oh, I wish I wish it had this, say it in a constructive way and, and we'd, we'd love to make them better for you. Yeah. I feel like there's just a lot of like, when those comments come in, it's all reactionary hate, right? It's just like immediate reaction. I need to say how I feel without any deep thought going into it. Uh, and I'm sorry, I've been interrupting you guys all like throughout the show a little bit here. Uh, but, you know, we get good interruptions every once in a while, like the interruption from our sponsor here, which we're going to play a video really quick, guys, and we'll be right back. They're helping uh, us, you know, work through this channel and do uh, do these shows. So check out the sponsor from uh, the sponsor bit from Tokyo Treats and uh, Scorebox. Hey, everyone. We are lucky enough to have this video sponsored by an amazing company that provides two extraordinary snack boxes from Japan. Sukuorko and Tokyo Treat. Both boxes allow you to experience the snacks from Japan from the comfort of your home. Now, if you're wondering why two different boxes, well, they offer slightly different experiences. Tokyo Treat is solely focused on snacks that are the latest, most exclusive, limited edition, and seasonal flavors from Japan. So things like Sukor Pepsi, Japanese Sake Kit Kats, ramen, and much, much more. Sukoriko is focused on supporting local Japanese snack makers, which include traditional, authentic, and artisan snacks, including Japanese teas and special items like Japanese tableware. This month, I was able to get my hands on their September boxes, which is themed off the Autumn Moon Festival celebrating Tsukimi, which is a centuries-old tradition giving thanks for the autumn harvest and celebrating the moon during that time. So let's go ahead and take a look inside these boxes, first starting with Tokyo Treat. In this box, you'll find a ton of items, such as the Japanese Mikan orange juice, chestnut-flavored Kit Kats, chocolate Pocky, and even a Mito-style udon pack. 
However, I want to actually try the sweet soy kibidango. Um, it's, uh, it's purple wrapping here, so if you get the box, it should look exactly like this. This is supposed to be edible, and it is. So the little wrapping around it is supposed to help you from getting your hands sticky. Wow, this is actually really good. It's very sweet, but it doesn't feel like it's overburdeningly sweet. No, it was really sticky. I don't my hands get off the paper a little bit. So I don't struggle with it with the paper like I was. Try to take it off there, just eat it. Excellent. Well, we'll try more of this stuff later in the week as well. Taking a look at the Sikorko box, we can find this awesome dish that came with a little adorable rabbit on it. You'll see a similar theme with all the amazing snacks that come in this box, like this Usagi marshmallow, these full moon soft shoes, peach jelly, and of course, some amazing teas, which I'm actually going to go ahead and give one a try. This is the Hanamugi tea, which is actually caffeine-free and supposedly really good for your skin, which I'm, I'm kind of wanting at the moment. Wow, that is actually really good on its own. I didn't put anything in it. Uh, yeah, thumbs up. This is really good to have before you go to bed. Of course, for more detailed information, both boxes come with these amazing booklets in there that explain all the snacks, calorie information, allergens, and everything else that you might need to know. I'll be saving the rest of these snacks for the Mock Talk Twitch channel. If you guys want to come check out and uh, see how the rest turn out, please visit us over at twitch.tv slash mogtalk. If either of these boxes interests you, please give them a try. You can go ahead and get $5 off your first box using the code uh, and just click on the link that's right below here or actually it will be in the description as well. And uh, it could be great for maybe a loved one or yourself, which I am absolutely going to keep doing this because I think these snacks are amazing. But yeah, thank you again to our sponsor for providing these amazing boxes. And I look forward to trying out more treats later on. See you guys next time. I'm getting back into this conversation. And I, I want to talk about this more because, like, we we've talked about some pretty deep things i'm guessing you know this is stuff that always will be on the mind of guide makers that people don't actually realize and they think of when they think of like you guys making videos they think oh they're just trying to rush out a guide real quick so they can just get rich off of the, like the the hype and the excitement for it and everything else and you know be be the one that gets the most clicks and the most money as soon as possible but i don't think most people realize there isn't as much money as they think that comes off of these youtube videos yeah <laughs> yeah let's just say it's I'm not, not a, a lucrative business endeavor let's put it that way yeah will not be quitting my teaching job anytime soon no no, no. especially uh... when you can only make guides i guess like if you're making raid guides exclusively right uh you got it till next summer <laughs> criterion you could probably put some stuff out for criterion uh there's a criterion a couple ultimates i haven't ruined yet <laughs> I guess no. you could do that. Uh, oh gosh! You know when you were, I, I'll be, I'll be honest. Uh, when we were, I was going through and I was progging through P12s. I was doing it all in Party Finder and everything else. Um, and one thing that would constantly come up in my chat was like, no ha Hector guide, sad face for P12s P2 because <laughs> they're all. <laughs> <laughs> they're just they're waiting for your guide to come out so they can kind of look at that PowerPoint presentation uh, that you put out there. Uh, 
you know, when we think about also making guides and everything else, the tools are kind of a big part of it. Can you tell everybody, Hector, what tools you use to make those videos? Oh god, this is this is embarrassing. Uh, well, I, I I work as I'm not like I don't make videos for a living. I don't edit or Photoshop or do an IT job. I'm a teacher, which means that I can power a good point, but that's about the limit of my technology. Or or if like Excel ever becomes useful for YouTube guides, I could I could wing that. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, the entirety of my videos are created inside of Keynote, which is PowerPoint, but for Macs. And uh, the only reason it's on Keynote is because I swapped over from PowerPoint because Keynote has a thing called Magic Move. That means if I make two slides and somebody has moved from slide one to slide two, it will automatically animate it to look at, make it look smooth like I knew what I was doing. Uh, <laughs> it so looks like my, it. My stuff yeah. is... Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a PowerPoint. It is literally a PowerPoint and the pre-built-in animations that already exist in Keynote. And every now and then you run into the extent to where my technology prowess runs out. So things like uh, P8S Phase 1 had the dragons that would pop out of the little flame vents. And uh, I, I, I couldn't animate those, so I've just kind of drawn like a squiggle. And so you're just seeing what is clearly a clip art just sort of dancing around in a circle <laughs> for a second. Or uh, P P12S Phase 2, you got to show the tentacles. You got to be able to show the tell. Is this a horizontal or a vertical? And those were like a two-hour really horrendous stitch job of like <laughs> the only images I had of the tentacles trying to cut them together to be like, yeah, that vaguely looks like what it's supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I have not learned how to use Photoshop. I have not learned how to use After Effects. And at this point, sunk cost fallacy. I have too much stuff made in Keynote to ever learn anything else. It works really, really well. So uh, I, I don't see any reason for you to change it up. Um, Renan, I know you were talking about, like, you have the production quality of a what again? <laughs> what, a 12-year-old media studies student? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, I mean, do you usually, do you just use one uh, video editing program and that's it? So when I was like 15, which was a long, long time ago, I learned how to use Sony Vegas. And mm. until like two weeks ago, I've been using like a 2013 edition of Sony Vegas and nothing else. <laughs> um, but I, I've spent the last two weeks learning how to use uh, Adobe Premiere. I, I've uh, been attempting to learn how to use After Effects. It's it's hard. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm doing my best. Uh, mm. But hopefully for next expansion, things will be a little bit more well produced shall we say that that would be the goal because right now they're right right now like i feel like my guides are like 60 to 70 percent the talking and then everything else is like kind of crammed together and not very good and I'd, I'd like to make them more balanced and like better quality on the whole so that's what i'm kind of aiming towards you know mm -hmm. okay um yeah i'm trying to learn after effects just for the addition of just having fun with it but i Finding time to learn programs is really difficult. Yeah, it's uh, hard as well. It, it is so hard. It's a, it's a mountain to learn. It really is. Yeah, and I so I use After Effects, or I'm trying to learn After Effects to some level, uh, but I mainly stay within Premiere. And the ways the tools are, even though it's both Adobe are completely different spots, completely different understanding about mm -hmm. how it exports and everything, it feels like two completely different programs to me. Um. And so it's rough to get into that, but uh, it is kind of nice to hear 
that you guys don't have super high fancy tools, high end fancy tools to produce the the stuff that the community actually uses. Because I don't think in the end, when you're making guides, how flashy and how cool and everything really matters as much as if you're able to show a point and then make it make sense in an easy and concise manner uh, for the person that's watching it. Uh, and I think both of you guys do a very good job of doing that. Yeah, can I, I, think can I get super like? Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Rena. Please. Oh, I was just gonna say, I think I think that at the end of the day, the most important thing is that you you convey a point, right? And you you don't need anything to convey a point, but you you can use very simple visualizations to make it easier. And uh, you don't you don't need any like uh, shall we say like fancy animations or anything to easily convey and have a point be understood. So I think that. All of that stuff is nice to have rather than essential, in my opinion, at least. Mm -hmm. uh, can I get super teacher nerdy for yes. a second? Yeah. Sorry, this is a little education. So uh, education theory has this theory called uh, load theory. The idea being that within any task that you're to do, you've got uh, germane load is just the basic how hard it is to understand the thing that you're trying to learn. And then on top of that, you have something called extraneous load, which is everything else that, as a teacher, you might do that makes it a little bit harder to see the points. Things like a basic example in a lesson might be that you might have a teacher who puts like the picture and then 20 bullet points, and there's all this information at once. And it just means that it's that extra bit more difficult, the extra load on top of it, to try to understand what's going on. Mm. The idea is that you... To be a good teacher, the goal is to try to minimize anything that's extraneous load, anything that's additional that makes just trying to understand the thing you're teaching a little bit harder to get to. So that especially if something has a very high germane load, say an N-tier savage fight is really tough, you get rid of everything else that might be in the way, that might distract from that, so they can full focus all brain power towards just the thing they're learning there. Mm -hmm. oh, that's, that's kind of been... The, the mentality I've took towards my guides. I want to make them look a little bit pretty, but there's a limit where I go, I think this might get to the point where it's a little bit distracting. Uh, mm. And I don't want anybody to take this as uh, a knock towards uh, June Bob, who oh, I can't, I the was prettiest, flashiest, <laughs> coolest. They, they are the, the prettiest, flashiest, coolest. Like I, I want to watch them constantly just because they look awesome, mm -hmm. but they're not the way that I learn best. For me, it would be tougher to learn off of something like that just because all of the things that make it so pretty and so entertaining to watch don't necessarily add to the educative value of it. Mm, okay. No, and I've talked to Jim Bob. We actually had Jim Bob on the show a while back, like years ago at this point. Uh, and he's, he's really awesome too. And he is really, really good with video editing. He's, he's amazing with it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, you know, I love just like, you just sit there and you watch his video and you can watch the whole thing. But uh, I will say there is that one, and he makes videos the way he wants to make them, and what makes him happy, which I think is that everybody should be doing that too. Uh, but if you're not Absolutely. paying attention to what he's trying to teach you, it's very easy to be just watching the animations and watching the transitions, watching all the beauty of the video itself, and you you might not even pay attention to the actual guy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so sometimes I do watch June Bob guides specifically just to look at the pretty animations, and I, I have no interest in, in in digesting the content. I yeah. just want to watch the pretty animations, and I'm like, wow, look at the colors! It is <laughs> so, so 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 like well produced. Yeah, yeah. I 
I used E4S back in the day because I missed it live when it was current content. So to go back and clear it when it was during Eden's verse. So I was using June Bob's guide because it was the right time for that. And mm. it's a beautiful guide. If anybody's not seen it, go watch it. It's yeah. such cool animations. But when I have want to watch it and learn from it, I'm pausing the video every 10 seconds and I don't get to see any of those animations because I need to pause it and go, okay, taking all of this. And mm. next bit, okay, pause, taking all of this. And so yeah. it, it doesn't work in that same sense, but they, they're still absolutely just pieces of art and really, mm. really excellent guides. Yeah, I would almost say uh, with that note too, I have done that with almost every single guide I've ever watched is I have to always pause it, go back and look at it again. Even if things are explained, for some reason, Final Fantasy XIV fights can be pretty difficult to absorb uh, with just everything that's going on, and you have to kind of sit there and analyze it. And I don't learn until I play all that stuff back in my my head, and I can say it without looking at the video, then I feel better about it. Um, like, I almost every single phase, like even when I was learning Hexagon, like I already cleared P12S on NA, uh, but when I was learning Hexagon Strat, I had to look at the video, pause it, try to make sense out of what it was trying to show me, play it again, try to make sense out of it, and go back and forth. And it's just, sometimes I think some of the mechanics are like that too. Uh, it, it's, it's tough. It is tough sometimes. Um, I, I find that, uh, especially like, like you said, it's kind of how FF14 is designed, right? I'm not going to talk about this tier, but a good example is top, right? Um, my group blind prog top. Yeah. And the most difficult thing about large percentages of progging top is trying to pass out the the useful information from the flashy effects. Uh, like a, a really good example is uh, Delta Trio, like the first trio of Phase Five. There mm -hmm. is so much shit going on all the time. You can't, you cannot, you cannot see a thing unless you know exactly what to look for. And that's unironically, in my opinion, the hardest part about that entire mechanic is knowing where to look. Right, uh, and I think that I would say it's a problem that FF14 has in general. But maybe I should reword it as it's a quirk that FF14 has in general. But <laughs> that knowing how to pass the information is often the hardest part of any like pinnacle mechanic in a phase. Yep, I'll let you know. I I I'd, I'd, I'd agree with problem. <laughs> problem. <laughs> Fair. I'm gonna do. It. I I'd, I'd agree with problem. Just. Uh... I'm, I, I'll ask you two as two people that are significantly better raiders than me. Uh, do you have your effects turned to full? Oh, it's 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 well. I have player effects turned down for sure. So player effects have to be turned down yep. because otherwise you can't see the fight. Uh, I do keep the summoner size high on one character, not on all of them. Not on my other character, the the pet size because I feel like I'm doing justice to the summoner by keeping their pets large. It feels right. You know, uh, but it does. It makes it hard to see mechanics. It's very difficult <laughs> to see mechanics through a lot of different animations. I think that's yeah, a like I, problem, at I, least with the design of the raid. If uh, if you have to turn effects down to low or almost nothing for other people, and medium or low for yourself to be able to functionally raid, I'd say that's that's kind of a problem of the effects themselves. So I, I pretty, agree, but yeah. I can't see anything. Okay. There's a there's there's one person in my group who plays like all of prog with all effects on for everything, and I genuinely think that he might be a psychopath. <laughs> because there, there is no way that his eyes get through a prog without like visual strain or stress. So, 
the the only counterpoint I'll make to that is uh, players do have the option to kind of turn it down and turn it up. But when you're in groups of four, you're doing a dungeon, or when you're in groups, or when you're by yourself, you know, all the, or just a couple people, those animations being on make the game look better with the low amount of things that are happening. But when you start piling it all in an eight-player content, that's when it actually becomes a problem. So there, there's points where that those extra graphics do a benefit in a justice to the game. But it's when you get everyone packed into the same moment. And you, I, I'm assuming Square Enix wants players to have the choice <laughs> to turn it off instead of just saying, hey, it yeah. makes sense to have it turned off. Um, no, no choice. <laughs> no choice. It should just be automatically turned off. Okay. Yeah. I used to... Uh, the, the thing doing... On the side note tangent here. Uh, PvP commentary. Uh, so I did that. Uh, one of the big things is that players want to have all those effects turned on when they're watching it, even though it makes things harder to see just in general with a lot of flashing. There's certain attacks that are associated with those animations that give them tells that they want to see, like summons that are happening and effects from those things. And so it's it's funny how, like for me, I would have those effects turned off while playing, but but spectating people who know the fight know those jobs and everything else want to see what attacks are coming out and analyze it that way uh mm -hmm. so it's such a weird situation it used to be you couldn't turn off effects at all in pvp i think they they kind of scaled that back a little bit because they didn't want to have certain people have advantages or something else i, I don't know what it was but uh it, it's pretty interesting in front lines is pretty bad and going into oh i i don't i don't i've never done it uh, I, I didn't have the time for it when it came out, but the 48-man uh, DRS, right? Oh, God. <laughs> Compassionate <laughs> a full effects on for DRS. I can't... I, I don't can't think... Imagine doing that. Yeah, uh, there's no way you'll be able to see what's going on. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. It's yeah. it's funny that oh. like every expansion, people get excited to watch the job action trailer, and it's like, oh, look at all these animations I'm not going to see. <laughs> yeah. Switch them off. Yeah, full DRS run, all healers, all white mage, nothing but holy. Yeah, yeah, that's just it, you're blinded. It's a flashbang the entire time. Uh, I, we need to see a video of it though. I, I would like to see a video of it being pulled off. Um, the uh, one thing uh, I will also say the battle effects overall. So you're mainly talking about the the player effects, right? I'm assuming you're not talking about the actual. Uh, bite itself and the boss effects and everything else? Or are you talking about that too, Hector? No, mostly okay. the player effects are usually the the where it goes over the top. Mostly the battle effects are pretty and they're colorful and it's still easy enough to find. I mean, there are definitely times where finding something that you need to understand for a mechanic is more convoluted and difficult than it needs to be because of the jazzy effects that they use. Mm -hmm. uh, things like just, for instance, every super chain in P12S having to blind your screen just before it begins for you to then reattune your eyes to find where the chains actually are. Mm. Is that yeah. necessary? <laughs> I don't. Well, yeah, you got a point. Uh, I think 100% the, the developers are wanting, they, they have realized that their fights look really beautiful and it's a selling point of the game. And that's why we'll always see it there. We'll always try to show off the animations as much as possible. I, I do think that if you're raiding, you need to have your player effects turned down no matter what. Unless if you're just crazy. Some people are crazy. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
And uh, I I will always support Square Enix and whatever they want to do with their animation. <laughs> You're actually making a pretty good point about the job action trailer. <laughs> about how they, the yeah, action yeah. looks so cool. But it will only look cool to you because you keep your effects on all the way up. You turn everyone else's effects down. So you just be excited for yeah. what you'll see on your screen when you do it. Um, oh, man. Okay. Like the Go ahead. Endwalker job action trailer has been a, a good warning to not try to judge the quality of an, uh, an action based on how cool the effect looks. Like everybody was <laughs> memeing on the Scholar's speed run. And yet oh. now everybody wants expedience in their party. Scholar presses expedience and everybody loves the Scholar immediately now. Yeah. I think the, the biggest concern about when that came out was that scholars would press it and players wouldn't realize they're running faster and they would fall off the side, which I haven't seen That's that much. I, the, I've seen that this tier. Have <laughs> you? I've seen, I yeah, like was... probably three or four times PFing this tier. I've seen people run into the wall because of expedience. <laughs> you, yeah, you, I thought that it, was the point. Somebody in the chat said UAV. During the UAVs, oh it's like gosh. so egregious. If someone experiences during UAV, you can say goodbye to someone. They're fucking gone. They're yeah, dead. it's so <laughs> hard. It, yeah, UAV is such... I would love to have a serious conversation with Sheeta about UAV. I don't know if I can <laughs> ever get him to like talk about it, but it is one of those that where you turn mini and it is so hard to see your footing uh, that like I I don't know that it feels miserable. That is literally a mechanic is seeing your footing in that one, um, and it's different if you're a, a row versus a lalafell. You run into different issues because if you race change, you'll run off the side because <laughs> you're looking at your body and it doesn't make sense where your placement is. But um, as a Lala, you just have to accept you're never going to be able to see where you are stood at any point in time where more than one player is going to be in the same spot. Just it's part of the raid. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, and that's funny because I do go on EU. I play a lot of fell on uh, NA. I play a Hrothgar. Um with a big Moogle head on it, so it's very obvious to see where I'm there, but... Yeah. <laughs> Rin, did you say something? Sorry. Uh, no, no. I was okay. I was gonna say, though, that I, I really like... Uh, I like UAV as a mechanic, just for the joke. Just just for the top reference. Um, I wasn't yeah. quite sure about them including it twice, though. <laughs> I'm not sure why we got two UAVs, but the first one is 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 so good. I think I don't see I don't think I've seen a single blind frog group that didn't just burst out laughing when they saw UAV for the first oh, yeah. time because it's so, it's like peak comedy. I I really hope that they made that mechanic specifically and only because of what happened in the top race because it, it's such a funny joke. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they. It was more. It was as much of a joke as if you know that would be cool if you saw the the fight look like that for a little bit. Let's just make it happen. Uh, it was funny to figure out that like uh, summons didn't get minimized right, and like the it was just it wasn't really like miniature. You you were smaller, but all your effects were exactly the same, and everything else, and uh, like the yom distance and all that stuff. So. Uh, it was a fun one to to see, especially during the world race. That was such a, it was like a, it was a bittersweet comedy, I guess is the best way to put it because of how much drama that has caused. But, uh, 
Gosh. As a console player who couldn't use any illicit third-party mods mm. if I wanted to, mm -hmm. the ability to all of a sudden have zoom hacks enabled for my mechanic? Yes, please, <laughs> give me more of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Like, I, I did all of uh, Dragon Song Reprise, and throughout that entire fight, by far still the only mechanic that I properly struggle with right at the beginning of phase two, where you just need to be able to find the three dudes and figure out which diagonal corner you and your groups can go to. And mm. then they gave me that same thing with zoom hacks, and I'm like, oh, well, this is fine now. Give me <laughs> zoom hacks and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just don't, don't get it posted anywhere. <laughs> if it's not supposed to be in the game, I guess. Oh, uh, jeez, dude. But see, when it gets, when it gets posted, See, then Square Enix obviously punishes that person, but then they put it in the game. It's like how I struggled oh, no. every mechanic with debuff. It's debuff timers. Every mechanic with debuff timers where I have to tell somebody else's debuff timers a pain. Somebody got caught with it, and boom, it's in the game. Winner. I mean, yeah. you know, it's awful for them, and really, you know, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, it's great. Oh, gosh. The, that whole... That's a whole conversation to jump into the whole world racing and third party tools and everything else, the Square Enix's response. Um, but yeah, that's why I would love to have that conversation with Yoshida, but at the same time, I feel like I can't do it out of sheer of like causing the <laughs> out of the reaction I might get out of it. Uh, yeah, one thing I'm kind of curious about actually, I wish I could ever ask Yoshida this. I never will be able to, is actually specifically about top, right? Uh, the party finder is pretty consistently killing top now, um, but they use auto marker, right? I don't think you're, unless you're in voice comms, you're not killing top without third party tools, probably, like mm. in 99% of cases. Um, I'm very curious as to what the intent... I, okay, first of all, I'm curious as to whether it was intentional for them to have ultimates be clearable without voice comms. Is that their intent, or do they intend only statics in voice comms with communication to be able to clear them? And if mm -hmm. they do intend it to be cleared without voice comms, what were they expecting when they designed top phase five, especially? Like, what what was the intended strategy? Because I'd be really... Uh, from, from, like, the standpoint of somebody who was trying to say solve it to make it pfable uh when mm -hmm. i was making a phase five guide i could not find a way that you could get people on the same page for building your dynamis stacks that wasn't okay one person's gonna mark four individual people to to tell them what, what they're doing i couldn't find a way that did that without using that or voice comms right mm. I'm, I'm really curious as to what the the design decision behind it was because because i think it's a I think it's a really interesting topic, actually. Yeah, I, I can give you my quick opinion on it, if you want. Uh, yeah, yeah. 100% uh, ultimates are not meant to be uh, done without good communication between players. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's I, my prediction as well, yeah. Yeah, uh, that is, it's supposed to be the most difficult. They can make fights reasonably within the game. Uh, they aren't meant to be... They aren't designed to be easy in Party Finder and to be simple and straightforward and you're supposed to have to have some level of communication between the players and work together to accomplish this, the, the hardest content they can make for us, right? You're supposed to use the, all the players collaborating in the best way to get that cleared uh, without 
third-party tools, obviously, is how they're thinking, right? And so uh, I think Savage, they, they want it to be able to be obviously done in Duty Finder, where people can get together uh, and queue up and do it. JP was really big on that until other stuff happened, right? They would just do Duty Finder to clear Savage content. Um, but then uh, I, I think that's changed recently. With Ultimate, can you do Ultimate in Duty Finder? I'm blanking on that. I don't think Ooh, you can. No, it's, think you uh, raid, it's finder. raid finder, right? So, uh, it's oh, raid like finder. in the high end. Thingy. Sorry, sorry, raid finder. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't queue for it. You have to have a full pre-made to get in, like, uh, like current tier savage, I guess. Uh, can you do you find a current tier savage? I can't remember. I think you can. I think you can queue up. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, yeah. I think you need a full pre-made to queue into Ultima, though. I'm pretty yeah. sure. And so that kind of gives us our answer a little bit, right? You need a group that's already yeah. formed and ready to go in, and not just randomly go and connect with people to clear it. Uh, and so that probably is where Square Enix is uh, going with these ultimate designs and everything else, um, which I think is right. And I think that's kind of how it should be. And clearing in Party Finder without communication it can be a feat, but uh, I don't think that it's it's actually meant for that. Um, but I mean, oh yeah, and I guess they're saying in Unreal chat's telling us Unreal is like that too, which clearly you don't need as much communication for Unreal as you would need for an Ultimate. Yeah, but maybe I, I, that's I not exact. Unreal, it's like that. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of interesting. But um, yeah, I I think they're they're supposed to be really hard puzzles for people to figure out, and then they're supposed to be difficult to execute as well. Uh, I. We saw the evolution of ultimates go through. Yukov was one variation, and Uwu was like, the biggest challenge was the puzzle itself, <laughs> right? That was huge. But after you figured out the puzzle, it got nerfed and it was much easier. Top is just hard. It's just yeah, hard. Is, <laughs> I, I genuinely think with top, um, I don't think it's like too hard, but I think it really pushes the boundaries of what difficulty should be in FF14, mm -hmm. because... I think that there are a number of mechanics that for a good percentage of the player base, they they give you one second too little to do it. And there's a lot of enrages that are one second too short for a lot of people to not have problems with, right? I feel I like I don't feel like it's super overtuned, but I feel like they they took what they would consider reasonable tuning or what we'd expect to have in in like classic FF14 tuning and they were like let's make it a tiny bit tighter. Especially with the fact that a lot of the bosses and rages in top, they like lock in before the end of the cast, right? Mm -hmm. As the cast is ending, so you 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 get to do an extra GCD and you do no damage while the enrage is locked in, and it's really weird. Um, yeah. I'm curious to see if there will ever be a piece of content harder than top in FF14 because I have a feeling no. that there won't. Nah, it's done. Uh, I you know I felt that way about DSR to be honest with you though. <laughs> Yeah, DS, DSR. DSR was just Ucob V2 though, right? Because DSR yeah. was just Ucob. Ucob really like shocked the community because it was so much harder than anything that came before it. And then DSR did the same because it was a it was a huge step up from T and Savage. Uh, so so it kind of like shocked the community. And then somehow they managed to make Top even harder. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I think that we're gonna see a drop in it. There has to be. But you know. Uh, Hector, you said uh, that you, there's a handful of ultimates you haven't ruined yet, right? Uh, yep. <laughs> what's the thought process of going in and making a guide for ultimate versus making a guide for a savage fight? Uh, I honestly probably close to retired, really, for ultimate guides. Uh, when I made a UCOB <laughs> one, it was just because the only thing I could find was uh, 
I, I don't know, it just didn't go well enough because Tess and Quintail's videos were out, and if I was ever going to do an ultimate I hadn't done before, I would go watch Tess and Go because it really clicks well with the way that I learn. It's a fantastic video guide. Uh, I made the ultimate UCAP one because the only thing I could find was the Cleese guide, the sort of text in oh, yeah. Microsoft Paint pictures, which really worked fine for me. I was okay with that, but it was not the ideal way to compared to what I'd had as given me for savages and extremes was not the ideal. It was a lot more effort to be able to do that and learn from that. Got it. Yukov uh, was me just having gone through the fight and trying to put it down as simply as I could, explain it in as much depth as I possibly could why things the way they do. Yeah. Uh, I, I think your ultimate guides are probably my worst stuff. I think you're roboting a little bit. I don't know if it's you or if it's like the whole Discord call. Oh. Ren? <laughs> uh... I, I can uh, hear you well, at least. Uh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Hector, you just might be... Uh... Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. It's good, it's good. Okay, sorry, I don't know what I said. Uh, ultimate guides. Probably wouldn't make them again. I don't <laughs> think my ultimate guides are very good. I didn't end up finishing DSR guide because by the time that I'd cleared the content and felt confident with it, I'd changed a bunch of my strats. I used LPDU as the standard to clear, and it's what I would show if I was going to do something like that. Uh, I think it's just, I am at that level of Raider where I can just about do some ultimates. I've got, I'm a double legend at this point. I don't think I'm at the level where I can competently explain ultimate to the level of Raiders that are going to do ultimate as well as I could. Okay, I gotcha. I mean, ultimate is just rough in general, and I, I assume it's not something that can be pumped out very easily guide-wise. Renan, for the stuff that you made for top, like how long did it take you to get those guides out? Um, well, I, I did it phase by phase, right? Luckily, luckily the final phase is really simple mechanically, so that didn't take too long. But I, I think I spent somewhere in the region of 20 hours writing the P5 guide. And that's like <laughs> after I cleared it twice. Like, it, because I, I would like fully i'd write like a five page thing explaining say delta trio and then i'd be like i forgot something <laughs> I, I i do it but i forgot to write it and then i then i'd have to like shift shift everything because there's the thing about ultimate is there's so many micro details that you have to pay attention to right mm -hmm. and if you miss one it's it's you're gonna wipe the rain so you you have to you have to think about okay there's 20 things that i needed to learn during prog and i only actively think about five of them anymore because the others have become muscle memory and you need to like reawake so you end up spending a lot of time watching prog vods and listening to your voiceover comms so you can figure out the way that you initially solved the mechanic before you had muscle memory so that you can help other people solve it so it's it's a mess basically it's it, it takes so long um at least for complex phases look like p6 was easy like earlier phases are, are, are not an issue but p p5 especially because it was so dense it's uh it's very difficult to convey a strategy on how to solve it without resorting to you go here then here then here and then they understand nothing but they can do it and that's not really a viable solution in my opinion you know like they need to they need to understand the assignment before they can do it and the assignment takes a long time to explain yeah i guess that makes sense you can treat every single phase as a boss itself right basically with ultimates yeah. I, uh, I feel like you have to if you if you want to get it out at any kind of acceptable pace you know same thing with uh, p12 and you know the final fights of tears you split it up into like two different bosses basically with guides and everything else that makes a lot of sense
uh, with how you'd have to handle it. That means you have to make six guides for ultimate, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which I to some of it might be a little bit shorter, but not really because there's a lot of execution explanations that might have to go in line with that too. That you normally don't have to do as much with Savage. Um, mm. Like P one's just a terror. Uh, it is the at least in top. Sorry, P one in top is a terror on every single person who progs that. Doesn't matter if they're week one ex you know super amazing player. Uh, it's the biggest wiper, not just be, by it being the first mechanic and seeing it the most, but just because it's just execution heavy, like super heavy. Um, but uh, I'm unfortunate. It's the first ultimate I've ever done, and I've still I'm on P5. Just to let everybody know, I'm on P5 of it. Uh, trying to get through the first uh, trio of that, and um, it is uh, the only reason I'm doing it is because of the World Race Charity event. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it at all. <laughs> I would have skipped yeah, top, the other. top. Top is definitely an interesting way to dip your feet into ultimate. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you could prog all four of the others in the same amount of time it would take somebody to prog top. Like nowadays, you know, it's it's yeah. just. But it's going to be sorry like to, sorry to like tangent. I do apologize. But no, like, no. The thing that's so difficult about top is that. You, you go through four phases of hell and then you get to the hard phase and it's like you get like 11 or 12 minutes into the fight whatever it is maybe maybe like 10 and then you get to prog the hard stuff yeah. could be, be, because P5 is like three very very intense difficult mechanics back to back it's so back loaded which is very opposite to say T which is very front loaded it has two very hard phases and then two easier phases top is very back loaded because P5 is harder than the rest of the fight put together in my opinion and the, i i feel like they they kind of designed it intentionally to like extend prog cycles because if you put p5 at the start of that fight well first would have happened like three days yeah. earlier four days earlier you know yeah uh which is good for someone who runs a world race and is happy with it lasting longer i guess um <laughs> I wish I could have gone longer with that that whole tracking <laughs> for top. Uh, but yeah, no, I think it is interesting just talking about that too because it, when deciding on how long a video is, do you guys think about like, oh, well, this video is too long. I need to cut up in multiple videos. Or are you just like, this is the first fight. It's going to be one video. This is the last fight. It has two distinct phases. We're going to have to cut it off because it makes sense. Uh, is there like a time limit? You're like 30 minutes. We can't do any longer of a video. 20 minutes can't do any longer of a video. What do you guys think about when you do length of videos? Like what what goes through your mind? Um, I I don't like I I don't like put any kind of hard boundaries on how long a video should be or how I should cut them or anything. But I'm like constantly aware that if a video over explains or spends too long on any particular subject there will be 50 comments that will say you spent 20 minutes explaining this oh my god so i i make a i make a point of cutting out everything that i consider superfluous in any way um the it's it's kind of difficult to get a, a like it's a bit of a fine line between explaining everything and containing all the information, but not having the video be long enough that people will be annoyed at the length. Uh, but I think that I think that getting it as short as possible is like it always has to be a concern, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely with that. Uh, I like the only time I've ever considered 
uh, divvying up a guide into more than one was for the ultimate for each phase and for like the two phase fights. But I mean, I am the proud owner of, I think, a 28 minute long explanation of just the Bahamut phase of UCOB, <laughs> which I've had plenty of people uh, dump on for, which to be fair, it, it's bloated. I've tried to go into it, explaining it as much depth as I thought it needed, but uh, I've gone back and looked through some of my videos and I've had times where normally when I record, I, I don't write a script because I don't fight and that benefits the way that I teach and the way that I explain things. So mm -hmm. I do it very much. I have a, the slides are telling me what to say and then it's off the cuff. And if I get to the end and go, you know what? Nope, not happy with that length. I will sometimes scrap the entire thing and re-record until I get it down to a, a length I'm happy with. Uh, That's and tough. <laughs> it's meant that from time to yeah, it sucks. It's not yeah. fun if I've done 28 minutes of recording this really well, but then it's 28 minutes when I could probably do it in 22. But usually it means that the second time that I talk through it, I can explain it more succinctly and I can cut out some of the, the fluff some stuff that doesn't help. Yeah. I, uh, I think I'm roboting again. Yeah, we're roboting again. I'll be back again. in yeah. two seconds. I'm worried that I'm using too much IT. I'll be back in two seconds. No worries, no worries, no worries, no worries. Uh, I mean, to comment a little bit on that too, uh, the, when I, every time I make a video at all, uh, I do literally the opposite, where I try to cut up things as much as I can into like a couple of sentences and then cut here because there are so many times where I'll record myself talking for a minute that I mess up the last word and I'm like, I hate my life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I do the exact same thing. I, whenever there's like a full stop in my recording, I, I always like take a pause because I'm like, okay, if I've got to re-record that sentence, it's only that sentence. I'm not re-recording the whole thing. Yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how Hector does that. Like that is insane to yeah, have to go back and redo it all again. Funny. I would, I would go. I, I would quit. <laughs> I would just be like, I'm not making a video anymore. I, if I could, I find out where I can cut it, and then I cut it, uh, and try to sound as similar as I can. I have to record it all on the same day, of course, because I'm going to sound different on day two than I am on day, you know, the day before. And so I have to kind of do it all within a session, sort of. Because I have an issue where if it's early in the morning, I'm going to sound different than I do in the evening. That just maybe I, the coffee has an effect on me later on. Uh, yeah, it, I I can I can relate to that because this is the the worst Easter egg in human history. But I I recently released like a white mage optimization guide, mm -hmm. and I had to re-record some of it the next day. So there's like my normal voice for ninety five percent, and then there's like two sentences where I sound like this. And, <laughs> and if you find them, you know that I recorded that on a different day. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but yeah, Hector, man, I I I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I don't know how you record and just not cut out bits of it. Having to teach the exact same thing that I've already explained once before again is what I get paid to do for a living. So, Fair. Eh, par for the course. Fair. Uh, I, I've, I've been trying constantly to find little other optimizations of how I can make the guide shorter. Things like I would copy paste the slide when a mechanic got repeated, like when it's just a raid wide or when it's just a tank buster. But then out of laziness, leave the entire animation of the tank buster when there's no need to show it the second time. And I'd lose like three minutes of a video just by cutting out repeat animations that would show up later on. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I, man, I, I 
was looking i was seeing your guide earlier by the way radon uh this is another tangent and i saw how you had the video uh and i haven't watched it but i just saw the thumbnail and it's like how to 99 is a white mage and all i could think of is like <laughs> is it literally two seconds of saying press glare <laughs> yeah, i have a lot of comments and that say sometimes that, yeah. dia Dia, yeah, yeah you, Dia you has to come up. Every, you, you do one, 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 three, one, one, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Make sure okay. you get your sides off, phone cool down, and you hit your, um, uh, what is it, fucking, <laughs> what that reduce your cast, I can't remember it. Your oh, palm? presence of mind. Presence yeah. of mind. Yeah, yeah, I getting think, that off. I think the issue that a lot of healers have, that a lot of, guides that I've read at least don't really cover in a way that I would be happy with is mm -hmm. um, they don't cover playing optimally but also safely, right? Yeah. They, they, they tell you how to do your damage and they tell you also how to heal but they don't tell you how to heal in an optimal manner, right? Mm -hmm. In a way that allows you to do optimal damage as well. So like I, I decided like recently that I was going to start trying to do trying to produce something like that for every healer and uh, it's a work in progress we'll see it's we'll see tough. if it comes out the way i want it to 19 like if you're just doing healers you're fine but like trying to get like guy videos out for jobs now it's work there is so many jobs we're getting two more jobs yeah two more i i, I thought they were going to be done with just one and just say all right we're good guys we're kind of bloating it now like you, there is definitely going to be specializations within content creators about how to make <laughs> guide videos and everything for jobs at this point, because it is just such a mess. Uh, getting what is it twenty one jobs? What we'll end up at, I think now. Yeah, and and even understanding twenty one jobs to a sufficient depth to be able to like teach people this is how you play it and play it well. You know, there there are there are not that many people out there who could play all of. I I can't put it that way. Like I definitely can't play every job at a level where I would feel comfortable teaching others how to play. It, you know, yeah. Um, so it's it's gonna be rough out there when there's twenty one jobs. Yeah. Um. Uh, well, that being said, I mean we've been going for a little while now. This has been like an amazing conversation with the both of you. Uh, and I appreciate you giving me your time, especially since it's so late. <laughs> but I appreciate you guys uh, doing that. There, I do want to talk about, you know, seeing the Dawn Trail trailer, seeing the future of what you know, Square Enix is going to do, how they're going to have Criterion, Savages, Ultimates, they're planning full load of PvE content coming up in the next expansion. Are you guys looking towards the future of what you're going to be doing in the next expansion are you planning to keep making guides for a long time uh is there anything just on the front of your mind about the future with final fantasy 14 um i would i like to make continue making guides and make better ones than i make right now that's the goal my, my biggest cope is that the the strategy diagram uh system that they showed off uh at the oh like, yeah the, yeah at the, Okay, I think my thing messed up a little bit. And I just reconnected. Sorry. Can you guys hear uh, me okay? Yeah. I can hear you. Okay. Hello. Right. <laughs> I but think yeah, Discord my, might be messed biggest... up, but it's good now. Go ahead, Red. Sorry. My biggest cope is that, number one, the strategy diagrams that you produce there are going to be shareable online. So, like, you might get a little code that you can give to somebody, and then it makes the strat appear in their game. That's the number one biggest cope that might make PF so much better. Mm -hmm. And and number two that it'll be good. 
That's my that's my biggest hope and my biggest cope. Please make it good. I'm begging you. Yeah, yeah. Hector, uh, what are your thoughts on the the new in-game strategy board? I mean, I've been replaced, so I'm cool. You know, peace out. <laughs> Have you been done? <laughs> uh, it. I, I don't know. It's it's the kind of thing where had I not already spent a huge amount of time and effort learning how to make similar things on Keynote, I would have been really excited for it. But mm -hmm. I now see it as something that I won't use myself. Hopefully it's something that the community finds really useful. And as a console player, mm -hmm. to every time somebody shares in PF a link to a paste bin, and I go, cool, this will be fun to type yeah. manually. Uh, it's the idea that some more of those strats might get shared in game and somebody can just link that via the game is exciting to me. So I, I'll make a comment on it in particular is that like when you're learning a fight 100%, uh, like it is one of those things where um, you look at the guide, you look at the pace pen, and you understand it, you reference it, but if someone references like a different pace pen, people aren't going to go back and look at that entire guy just to understand how you guys are doing it a little bit differently, right? How this one group, how this pace spin is going to be different from the pace spin you've already learned from. They're going to go in there and ask you, okay, how's it different from the normal pace spin? And so it might go in the same way with the strategy boards where you'll have a set strategy board that everybody uses. And if someone's trying to do something that's a little bit different, no one's going to go through the entire strategy board that you made just to find where's the differences, right? They're gonna still put in Party Finder. Here's this difference. Here's this. This is how we're doing it. Name Happy Brambles, Ilya, Lions Rampart. You know whatever is gonna go in there. And then here's the core guide. Here's our variation. Here's the core guide that we'll be referencing otherwise. So I don't know how much it's gonna be used outside of uh, you know doing what people do already with Pacebin. Uh, but it'll be nice that it's in-game versus, again, having to type it out like uh, a console player would have to do. Yeah. One one thing I do want to say, slight tangent, on the topic of, like, pace spins and raid plans and stuff, the people who make those, uh, I think they deserve a lot more credit than they get mm. because they're, they're, they're the hidden MVPs of Party Finder because, like, we, we might make guides, but we don't collate the strats and put them into into this like one link that everybody can follow you know um yeah. we don't collate what people are actually doing so for example on eu i think it was in in p12 like griff put together these these really high quality raid plans week one and he deserves so much props for it because it's a wild west out there until there's a bunch of guides out and until everybody's comfortable and has have solidified a strat so these people that are trying to collate and pull together all these strategies just in the in the intention of helping pf deserve so much fucking props like i, I yeah. just wanted to say that and they go a definitely completely unrecognized for a lot of parts except for i guess griff <laughs> a lot of you know they they don't even say griff anymore they say duc right say duc now yeah <laughs> yeah duc uh and so that's kind of the people who are putting out that work, of course, they just want to go ahead and put that out there uh, because it's... But they don't know that what they're putting out there is going to be used, right? Eventually, they get selected, and then they're the face of the strategy Party Finder is using, and then maybe they have to go back and edit the guy. <laughs> they have to go back and update it and manage it from that point. 
and it's just if they actually do that or not uh, will benefit Party Finder actively, right? But then if you make changes too late, people are like, well, I read it last time and it said this. I don't, you know, and yeah. they thought yeah. they knew the guy. And so it's 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 a little messy. But yeah, that has been a, a huge change. It has helped Party Finder. Uh, but it it would be interesting to just hear that perspective from someone who's actually making those as well, like Griff and whoever else might be out there making those raid plans. Um. Maybe one day I need to do a raid plan show. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I think it would be interesting. I'm like, I, I'm kind of interested to hear like from people that that made like the raid plans and the pace bins and the way that they put them together and what their intention was and all that kind of stuff. You know, like what their experience was because it's a yeah. very different experience to like mine or Hector's. You know, yeah, it's a, it's a very different experience yeah. they they would have had. That's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, besides the strategy boards and everything that will be coming up in the future, is there anything else you guys are thinking about with the future of Final Fantasy XIV? Uh, Hector, are you expecting to be making guides next expansion? Any plans to slow down at all? I mean, th this year I got really lucky in that Square Enix uh, first decided that they would drop the content, like the easy modes or the normal modes, and then the Savage a week later, so I would have time to actually animate things for the guides. Uh, and then two, they were so kind to only drop them on school holidays. Bless, swear. Because I mean, real talk. If they decide to drop one like in the middle of exam season, just like saws, no, no Hector guides. Sorry, uh, I, yep. I have to go job. Yeah. Uh, so it, it really comes down to if it just happens to be convenient timing. Mean, I'd like to. I probably. I imagine I'm still going to keep playing the game. I'm going to still savage raid and. Uh, I enjoy making guides, so imagine I'd keep up with it if it works. Nice. Yeah. Is there anything that you guys are looking forward to, like in your own, like I guess, art in making the guides and advancing them, or doing anything different? Or are you pretty content in the way they are? I know, Radon, you're talking about maybe learning something. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm gonna learn After Effects and like rough animations for next expansion i i've got no promises it'll be good but i'm gonna i'm gonna do my best to learn it and i've also learned a lot of this too in terms of um i read a lot of feedback put it put it that way i read i read a lot of feedback and found out what people liked and didn't like like they they like the explanations they don't like where i just say oh you can do what you want here and, and <laughs> they're like why did he say that um, <laughs> so I, I learned that I'm gonna I'm gonna be more authoritarian next time. I'm gonna give people as much choice. Um, I'm gonna try not to. I okay. Here's one actually. Uh, in Abyssos for my high concept guides for high concept two, there was one player that was unmarked, right? And in the images that I put that were, my group put together, we put like we found a little thing that looked like is it's obviously an unmarked icon. And we put that next to it to say this is the unmarked player. And I put it in the guide state, so there's this unmarked player. And I got probably five or six people message me saying, There's no unmarked like icon on the buff bar. <laughs> I don't understand what's going on. How do I know if I'm unmarked? It's like it says unmarked. So I, yeah. I have to be I, I need to be clearer about that yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What about you, Hector? Is there anything that you're thinking about with making guys that you might change going forward in the future? It's mostly just I'm going to keep listening to community feedback to try to make it that it's not going to upset party finder people who 
in my mind, never really were the target audience for my guides. <laughs> they weren't who I was making guides for. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think this tier, uh, I, I slowed down the pace of when I got my guides out. I made sure that uh, my last door tier guide didn't differ significantly from what Party Finder was doing. Because mm -hmm. I, I learned my lesson from P8S. I put out the strats that I was using, and I'm like, hey, one tile works really great. I like this. Uh, Party Finder had no intention of ever swapping over from the the Stripe style, uh, the Echo Renin strats that they were using. So mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to keep up with that. Take my time, release my guides when I feel confident that they're going to be something that will last the whole tier and I won't have to change. Okay. All right. Well... I think we're hitting that point to where we start wrapping up. This, again, has been, like, great. I, I'm so glad I got to meet you, Hector, uh, and to bring you on again, Renan. Uh, it's been a really fun conversation. I'm glad I was able to get you guys together to talk to each other, too. <laughs> Just so you can yeah, get to know each other. I, I had a good time. This yeah. has been a treat to get to, a treat to, get to talk to Renan. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, likewise. I, I, I had a good time. Thanks for having me. It was really good. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we go, I do want to give you both like a couple of minutes to like do any shout outs or say where people can find you if you want them to find you. And just because I know you don't care as much, Hector, I'm going to have you go first <laughs> about, you know, directing people your way if you want to direct them that way and how they could find you. Any shout outs? Uh, go to YouTube if you want to watch my YouTubes. Uh, if you go to Twitch, don't bother because I'm not doing anything on <laughs> Twitch. I just use that when I want to show friends when I'm playing on the PlayStation because I haven't worked out the inbuilt Discord PlayStation stuff. Uh, but can I do some shout out to a couple of FC friends and static friends? Yeah. Cool. Uh, I've, I've tried to make sure I get this all right. Uh, big <laughs> shout out to the Zodiac Braves, uh, Luna, Mog, Derek, Tajanji, Shay, Frost, Nusi, Millie, Millis, uh, Faust, Ken, E, Rin, Petra, Brope, Mav, Slissy, uh, Archie, Yuki, Tao. Uh, oh, I'm gonna be forgetting somebody, and they're gonna they're gonna absolutely murder me. Everybody that's straight alongside me, love you all, guys. You're absolute rock stars, and I would not be the guide creator I am now if it wasn't for the constant support of these people who have raided with me and who have watched my early guides and helped me to develop as a guide maker and give me advice along the way. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, big ups to them. That's awesome. Yeah, and when you start listing off names and you forget, it's always a risk, man. There's always a risk. <laughs> you're gonna burn somebody, and you're gonna make someone upset. True. Killer, killer, co tank. <laughs> Just make sure your statics okay. I think I've got them all. Okay, okay, okay. But uh, yeah, and now when you guys are upset about a Hector Strat, you can blame his FC instead because they're the reason why uh, it's out there. <laughs> it's their fault. Yeah, one hundred percent. Okay, Rudan. Uh, yeah, you can you can follow my Twitch and YouTube if you want. They're both Rin Banana. Um, I, I stream pretty regularly. I'm going through my PF arc recently. Uh, it's it's pretty fun. Uh, I I just want to say my first of all my appreciation to Party Finder because every single tier they managed to prove me completely wrong because I always expect there's no way these guys are going to clear this week one. Oh, this is going to take PF months. This is going to take them weeks. And every time they prove me wrong, every time they're ten times better than I give them credit for. So, P mm -hmm. PF keep being PF. We, we, we might have we might have flamed you a little bit, but we both definitely appreciate you. Oh, there's <laughs> lots of reasons to flame PF. Don't worry, <laughs> there's a lot of reasons why. Uh, Party Finder gets to heat, and it's because it's just a big blob, right, of different people. And there's there's lots of good things to say, but there's the, there's lots of people who give you good reasons to be upset. 
Uh, but yeah, no, I definitely support that. Shout out to Party Finder. And again, shout out to both of you for coming on uh, and letting me do the show. It's been a couple of weeks since we had a mock talk, and uh, this has been a really nice one to come back to. Um, but yeah, guys, we'll go ahead and wrap up now. If you want to care about what's going on with this channel, we'll have uh, more top tomorrow night. Um, for uh, Monday, we won't do a Monday day stream because it's Labor Day over here in the U.S., and uh, that means I need to be with my daughter because she won't be able to go to daycare. So I will be doing that, uh, but then we'll do top again Monday night and come back on normal schedule Tuesday. Um, also, we have some other Mog Talks coming in the future. There's some work going, being done on the YouTube channel that I'm going to try to get some more videos up, and there's going to be some highlights and some other things that we're going to do, so look forward to that. Hopefully, if you're like, well, I'm watching this episode, but what happened to this other episode that should have been uploaded... It's on the way. I'm working through some challenges with those videos, uh, but they'll be here soon. Uh, that all being said, guys, have a wonderful rest of your weekend. For those that are getting a long weekend, enjoy it while you can, and uh, we'll see you next time. Both of you guys need to wave, even though we can't see you, and say bye. All right, ready? Bye! Bye! I'm doing a two-handed wave. <laughs>